Welcome back to the Daily Texan Forum podcast, the Texan Talks, a forum for the 40 acres. I'm Claire Smith, the editor-in-chief of the Daily Texan, joined today by forum editor Walker Fountain and senior columnist Noah M. Horowitz, who this week is doubling as a forum contributor. Thank you so much for joining us, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on, Claire. It's good to be back. Absolutely. So tonight we are going to be talking about the package that we put together for Thursday's paper in the Daily Texan, the opinion page. Um, we are talking about TNCs and the the vote coming before the Austin City Council on May 7th regarding regulations for Uber and Lyft. Um, Walker Fountain will be representing the pro side tonight, or I guess pro TNC side tonight, as we weren't able to get our other forum contributor to join us. And Noah um, will be speaking uh, in favor of the regulations. So gentlemen, who would like to start? Well, I mean, I'll just start with a little bit of background, um, and I'll take off my pro Uber and Lyft hat for a second and attempt to be impartial. Um, well, so it's first worth mentioning that uh, on May 7th, uh, the Austin voters will have a chance to decide um, on kind of the direction that they want to take with transportation network companies or TNCs, most notably being Uber and Lyft, but you've got a few others floating out there. Um, obviously, I think we've we've heard a lot about this story, but... Just for some brief background, um, kind of uh, all began with uh, an attempt by Councilwoman uh, Ann Kitchen to uh, effectively mandate that TNC drivers uh, get fingerprints um, in addition to kind of more stringent background checks uh, before they were able to hit the road and pick up passengers. Uh, obviously, Uber and Lyft have been hugely controversial. Uh, not only in Austin, but really around the globe, we've seen instances of, of violence and, and protests against Uber in, in cities like Paris, France. And uh, there's obviously been widespread debate in cities like New York uh, about regulations, but it's finally hit Austin. And what's unique here is that this is one of, th this is effectively the first big test for TNCs in front of a voting public. So this is the first time that, you know, voters will get to decide kind of if they're okay with relinquishing fingerprint background checks for convenience to kind of feed the, the Uber and Lyft business model of onboarding lots of drivers, or whether they think that safety, uh, as, as the councilwoman puts it, is, um, is more important. So certainly going to be interesting to see. Austin, it makes sense for this to be kind of the first bellwether. And so it's going to be uh, you know, an interesting uh, couple of months here as, as people are campaigning. You're already seeing people canvassing around UT trying to mobilize students, especially for Prop 1, and voting in favor of Prop 1 is uh, effectively accepting the TNC companies' regulations that are already in place, which don't require these fingerprinting background checks. So I guess, Noah, if I, we could just put you on the spot and give kind of a general sense of, of why you're opposed to Prop 1 and what your thoughts are. And Noah, you've also been involved with this issue for a while, too. I have. My, uh, my day job, when I haven't been in the basement of the Daily Texan, has uh, I've lobbied on behalf of uh, Texas Taxi, which um, is the parent company for Yellow Cab within San Antonio, Austin, and Houston. Um, and basically, what, what we've seen has been that Uber has this sort of bifurcated business strategy. And one of, the, one of those strategies has been to ensure that they provide a cheaper service than, uh, than uh, Yellow Cab or Lone Star Cab or however many uh, other sort of traditional taxi companies there are because they don't follow the same regulations. And the other one has just sort of objectively been they've 
they've flooded the market with drivers, um, and therefore you can get an Uber, say, faster than you can get a yellow cab. And there's issues with these. And it's the Uber side tries to say, oh, it's this nefarious cab company that decides and schemes that they're not going to have a bunch of drivers on the road. They're going to choose that their fares are going to be really expensive. And that really couldn't be any further from the truth. The city of Austin, or say the city of San Antonio or the city of Houston, the cities specifically are the ones mandating the cab companies to say, this is how many cab permits we are going to allow for you know, yellow cab, lone star cab, however many in this city. They are the ones that cap the number of drivers. They are the ones that say your uh, your trips per mile and per minute have to be this much. So it's really the city that's dictating what the taxi companies have to do. And some of the regulations they have to follow are a bit onerous, I guess. And so Uber and Lyft step in, and they don't follow all of these same laws. And uh, because the regulations they follow or are you know or that they choose to follow are cheaper than the, all the ones that the taxi companies have to follow they can provide a cheaper service it's pretty basic and what i think Ann kitchen tried to do is say look everybody has to play by an uh by the same rules on an equal playing field and uber doesn't want to do that because all of a sudden it means that they they won't be able to provide cheaper services quite so easily um, and that's where really the big issue of the fingerprint background checks come in, um, is that they're, they're not cheap, but they're they're effective. It's, you know, if somebody, say, changes their identity and moves to another state, it's the fingerprint background check in many cases can detect that in a way that the, fin- the non-fingerprint background checks that Uber and Lyft do can't. And that's where I think the big controversy comes in. So, um, Noah, can I ask you first off, uh, and I've got another question to follow sure. that up on fingerprinting, but first off, so you're saying this, and this is fairly standard practice. Sure. I'm from New York. I saw sure. New York, you know, cities will cap the number of medallions sure. or whatever sure. kind of licenses you can have for cabs. In your ideal world, would you like to see the, that limit increased, more cab drivers on the streets in, uh, of Austin? Do you think that the city council didn't do enough for cab companies in that respect? I think there should be more taxis. Uh, in Austin, more sort of in Texas, we don't use sort of in a New York sense medallions. It's a, I guess, a little more complex than that. But basically, the number of permits allotted for traditional taxi companies, I think, should go up. But I think the most important thing is that everybody plays by the same rules. Now, the taxi companies generally say they think most of the regulations are good, and if you can have that belief, and if you have that belief, I think it's only fair to say that. Uber and Lyft and all these other services have to follow those regulations too. Now, Uber and Lyft say that those regulations are Byzantine and outdated. And maybe you're of that belief too. But if you're of that belief, I think it's only fair to say the taxi companies shouldn't have to follow all the regulations they've traditionally had to follow. And either way, everybody has to be on the same playing field. Now, I think in an ideal world, there should be some mix of both. I think Uber and Lyft should have to follow some of the regulations that the taxi companies traditionally have had to follow, one of those being fingerprint background checks. And I think that other regulations should be done away with for Uber and Lyft and should also be done away with for Yellow Cab and Lone Star Cab and all these other traditional taxi companies. And so um, Stephen Hester, who's the president of Students sure. for Ride Sharing, he um, was our op-ed in Thursday's paper, um, I guess, opposed to the additional regulations. Sure. Um, he wrote that there are there there is no known evidence that 
this fingerprint background check system, you know, will make Uber and let, I guess, will be more effective than the background check system that they have now. Do you have any insight into that? Well, so there was, people will always try to say that, unfortunately, heinous things happen that are committed by Uber drivers, by taxi drivers, and it's, it's not necessarily a question of objectively how many things happen, unfortunately. It's a question of whether or not somebody is negligent. And in my opinion, Uber has been negligent before because they don't use fingerprint background checks. Um, there was a, a man, uh, I believe Eric uh, Burton was his name, in Houston uh, last year who um, was uh, a, he was alleged to have uh, sexually assaulted one of his passengers who had passed out drunk in the back of his taxi or in the back of his you know vehicle. He was an Uber driver. And as it so happened when the news media did an investigation, he had gone to prison for 14 years, federal prison for drug dealing. And the idea there was that because Uber kind of cut corners on their background checks, they didn't notice that he had gone to jail for 14 years for drug dealing and he shouldn't have been an Uber driver according to Uber's own rules and regulations. And so the idea is they were negligent. They could have stopped that. But because they had faulty background checks, they didn't. And I think that's the main reason why we have things like, say, fingerprint background checks. Because obviously, unfortunately, for every person that does some type of heinous act, there's always going to be a first offense they have. You can't, you know, you can't arrest people for thought crime. You can't, you know, eventually, if somebody's just going to snap and do something awful, it'll happen. But the problem is you have to always be vigilant against those people that you know that you can stop. And there was somebody that, according to the regulations facing Yellow Cab, Lone Star Cab, etc., this person should have been stopped. But because Uber had a faulty background check that didn't include fingerprinting, he wasn't stopped. And in my opinion, they were negligent because of that. Well, now, and what, what Stephen's saying, um, as kind of beyond the fact that, that he believes that they're antiquated and, and fundamentally aren't going to make that big of a difference, he's also saying that fingerprinting is discriminatory, saying that fingerprint background checks often rely um, on arrests and not convictions. So when you're searching things, you'll see uh, theoretically what they were arrested for at a certain time. Um, and that would theoretically be a violation of, of due process because we don't know if this person was convicted or not. Disproportionately affect minority. Exactly. Yeah, and so minority population. I guess I'm, I'm curious to hear your response to that. Well, there's nothing innately about the, the markings on somebody's finger that, you know, ties it to arrests rather than convictions. It, it's what the law says in Austin. So what the city of Austin chooses to do with those fingerprint background checks is their own prerogative. But the point that fingerprint background checks have is that they say, look, we're going to make sure that if this person has gotten ar arrested and their name was, you know, James Doe in California, and there was a fingerprint record of them going to jail for something in California, then they moved to Texas and started going by John Smith, we can ensure that it's the same person. And we're not just going by their name, we're going by sort of things tied to their DNA. Now what the city does, based on having that information, that's their own choice. But the idea is that innately fingerprint background checks are better than non-fingerprint background checks because they can ensure that even if somebody tries to change their identity and sort of run away from whatever misdeeds they had done in the past, a fingerprint background check is more likely to catch those uh, 
those types of shifts. So I guess one thing that, that I'm hung up on and after reading Stephen's piece, and I, I do understand sure. you know, uh, the public safety argument, certainly, is at least right now it seems, and this is, of course, why it's going to voters, but sure. bringing it back to our campus, thousands of UT students seem, frankly, pretty unconcerned with mm-hmm. the safety of Uber and Lyft, um, and thousands of them definitely rely on those systems. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I was a I was a freshman uh, in 2012 when we didn't have TNCs. Sure. And I remember, you know, being stranded by cab like by cab companies during like heavy volume events. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand the the rationale behind that with with the city permitting process. But when so many thousands of students and thousands of Austinites not only rely on the systems to get them to and from work or to and from downtown without you know, driving drunk, um, but also, you know, when the system employs, what, you know, thousands of Austinites giving them some, you know, part-time cash, I guess it, it's, it's tough to, you know, if so many people are unconcerned about it, it's just tough to, like, make that argument against it. So, I mean, what, what's your read of, of kind of the political situation in Austin with Prop 1 and, and kind of public support uh, when it is really filling a need that I think a lot of Austinites believe, um, uh, needs to be met. Well, first of all, I think the Uber kind of bluffs a lot. Um, In Houston, there was a very similar effort about ensuring that background checks were done by everybody that drove for either a traditional taxi company or a TNC. And Uber and Lyft both in Houston threatened about, oh, if you approve this law, we're going to leave. And the city council and the mayor approved the law in 2014. And Lyft ended up leaving. But Uber, which is by far the larger company, did not. They don't make quite as much money anymore because they have to pay for some background checks, but they're still in Houston, and by all accounts, they're still doing very well. And so I'm honestly very skeptical that Uber would actually leave Austin if this fingerprinting background check uh, ordinance went through, uh, first of all. And second of all, I think that when it comes down to it, the public almost assumes that the local government is sort of going to protect them against people that really sort of cut corners. It's, you know, you think about college students. If there was if there was some type of bar in West Campus that offered, you know, drinks for half the price as anybody else, but they refused to let the health inspector, you know, inspect their glasses to make sure things weren't going well, it's, you know, there'd be a lot of college students that would think, especially in the midst of inebriation, which is at the time when a lot of college students here at UT order Ubers, they would think, well, you know, but it's only 50 cents a beer. I, I should definitely go there. And the idea is the local government really has a moral obligation to step in and ensure that all their constituents are going to be safe when they use things that ostensibly should be regulated by them. And I think that's really where Austin is right now. They have to ensure that whatever regulations they come up with, they're equitable and they ensure the safety of all the people that live here. On the flip side, I mean, is that argument saying that uh, students don't know what's good for them when it comes to, to getting home safely? I think that you could definitely say that they're misguided, again, especially after, you know, a long night of imbibing at, a, you know, in Sixth Street or elsewhere. But I think the idea is that this is a very complicated issue. Um, the people that have been involved at, you know, city hall, elected officials and whatnot, it's 
it's complex. They have to go through a lot of research. They have to come to some very hard decisions. And certainly there have been private members of the public who have done their own research. But I think it's it's absurd to have to, you know, in the within the marketplace to assume that people are going to do all that same research to think, well, let me make sure that, you know, the ride that I'm taking home isn't, you know, driven by a, you know, a, a violent criminal or, a, you know, isn't a, otherwise unsafe. I think that it's important that the city really just provide its obligation to keep people safe and to ensure that it's not negligent. I get those points. I, sure. I, it is definitely a nuanced issue. Sure. Um, I guess I like ending this with uh, just a, an unanswerable question, which is sure. how do you think it's going to go on May 7th uh, with the with the public voting and, and such a strong effort being mobilized from the TNCs right now? Um, you know, I'm a Democrat in Texas. It's always been a fool's errand for me to predict the future, especially when <laughs> an electorate Same is involved. Here. So it's, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can I can say I hope that Austin chooses safety over, you know, something that's, you know, flashy and cool. I, uh, you know, I think that I'm not arguing that Austin needs more transportation options and whether or not those are people like Uber or Lyft or more taxis. I think, you know, before Uber and Lyft came in, there needed to be more permits for taxis. Um, I There definitely needs to be more transportation options. But I think whatever choice Austin makes, it has to ensure that the laws continue to be equitable and that their residents continue to be protected by a system that ensures some basic minimum of safety. You know, I've got to say, I think it's going to go to the TNCs on May 7th. I think that, um, at least in my own experience, there are, for better or for worse, probably for worse, there are a lot of things that students are willing to write off in the name of convenience. Um, and I, I don't know that um, the way that Yellow Cab and other cab companies are, are doing business these days necessarily connects with the younger population that are, um, I guess, funding TNCs. So I could definitely see it going to the TNCs, especially with the, the big effort that they've been making. You know, and, and I agree, and uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up shortly, but I'd just say, I, for me, it's a very interesting debate because I think both sides are saying it's a public safety issue. Sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, on your side, Noah, you're saying it's a public safety issue because those, those drivers aren't necessarily the people who they're saying they are. And for someone like me, I'm saying it's a public safety issue because, you know, I remember friends of mine in freshman year who would, you know, think it's okay to drive pushing sure. the limit from downtown. Right. And so, you know, I fall uh, on the TNC side of that coin right now. Obviously, you think differently. It's going to be interesting to see if, if their mobilization efforts pay off. I think they might, but uh, I think the issue is far from, from buried if that happens. So. Could we all agree that we wouldn't have to necessarily settle for Uber's sort of flawed system if Austin had a suitable mass transit system? I think that's, <laughs> I think that's what most Austinites are, when are thinking about. Well, if only we had, you know, a subway or a or an yeah. extensive light rail system, we wouldn't have to be making these difficult decisions. Well, I, for one, am tired enough of the of all of the just the muck on Mopac. <laughs> They've been yes. under construction for so long. I think I just want to get out of construction. I, I'm for ready for bit. my Austin subway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when that happens, I'll move back. Anyway, mm -hmm. thank you. Thank you so much for Thanks joining for having us. us on. This is Claire Smith, Editor-in-Chief of The Daily Texan, signing off. Please give us a follow on Twitter at Texan Editorial and Texan Podcast. And of course, at The Daily Texan. Thank you so much. Goodbye. 
This podcast was produced by The Daily Texan and hosted by Claire Smith and Walker Fountain with special guest Noah M. Horowitz. And the music was by Jazar. Be sure to check back next week for our next episode. And as always, be sure to check out dailytexanonline.com.